0: Thank you for joining us for After the Message. To learn more about Celebration Church here in Orlando, you can follow us on social media under the handle at CelebrationORL or visit our website at CelebrationORL.org. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a new season, a brand new season of After the Message. Shout out to our YouTube family uh, incorporating our our video uh, element into After the Message. And uh, we're in a brand new season, brand new space. uh, And like we were just talking about uh, off-air, Pastor Keith, we're just leveling up.
1: We're leveling up. And I feel like as pastor Chris mentioned, you know, for time references, he Mm -hmm. was with us this past week and he preached about your glorious hair. Mm. And so I felt like it's only appropriate that for our, after the message community, that that may not have ever seen Mm. what you look like. I think it's time for people to see like the beard and the hair. It's important. I think that that was the deciding factor on why we're doing it this way. Now,
0: you know, we were just talking about (laughs) context in the Bible and context for after the message (laughs) is obviously important as well. I've never actually considered that someone that, maybe listening that has never actually seen what we look like. That's pretty cool to think about. Hey, man. Glorious hair, Nate. Glorious hair, glorious (laughs) hair. Uh, (laughs) So glad that you guys are are tuning with us. If you're stumbling along this podcast, uh, you're on the Celebration Church Orlando podcast. uh, And this is a segment we like to call After the Message. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just simply a conversation from the previous Sunday sermon and just kind of continuing on uh, in the theme of what we're talking about. And uh, if you are following along with Celebration Church Orlando, we are in a series, a study of the Holy Spirit yeah, called Parakletos, yes. um, the Greek word uh, for comforter, advocate, uh, helper, uh, all the above mm-hmm. to describe uh, the Holy Spirit, His role in our life. And I feel like we have done a Holy Spirit series here the past few years, mm-hmm. and they've all been... Uh, very beneficial for our church. I I think the one that we did before was just even called just Holy Spirit, right? I can't remember. It was when you got COVID, actually, I think, and then we had to, like, call in all the people is, from it. the bullpen or whatnot, yep. and they all started to preach. But it was cool how it all yep. lined up it and everybody up. preached the same or different thing, different topics on it without even knowing what the other person was preaching. But anyways, yep. um, super important, obviously. I think the for the most part, the church— we can all kind of agree on jesus and we can mm-hmm. all kind of get on the same page with god but for whatever reason the holy spirit there's there's a lot of different variations oh, or views on it why why do you think that it's become um and and sometimes polarizing but it's it's become it's more mysterious when mm-hmm. kind of what you talked about in the first week like it's all throughout the bible right yeah yeah so why do you think that is
1: i feel like it's because um the, the holy spirit it's He's hard to fully define. And so one of the things that I'm—the way that I talk about God is evolving. So it used to be, like, you know, I, I studied it, and there's these attributes, and they would be used as, like, definitions of God. like And so there's these three pillars, you know, He's omnipresent, omniscient, mm-hmm. um, and and He's all-powerful. And so you, you have these things that, that helps you to have these boundaries around what we know to be about God. And I think the omnis are safe to live in. Yeah. I think anything beyond that— becomes very restrictive of God, Hmm. because I think our definitions can often be the boundaries of what we give God permission to do and who we permit him to be. Hmm. So I like to say, I don't want to define God. I want to describe him. Hmm. Well, we can describe God as a creator. That's something that we can describe. We can put our fingers on it. We can look at it. We can experience it. We can describe Jesus, and we can look in scripture, and we can tangibly see the who He is and what He's done and the entirety of Scripture that talks about Him. The Holy Spirit, however, is the nuance that becomes very complicated, not only in just His substance and essence, but I think in the activity in the life of believers as well as in the church. And and so when you start to think about how jesus would describe the presence of god he would say like hey like you don't see the wind but yet you, right. you but you feel it you recognize it i think it's just this mysterious thing that's not necessarily unique to us but in the eastern culture they were okay with the unknown mm-hmm. more than we are mm-hmm. so what you'll find with um with, with Western culture, we kind of inherited a lot of the Greek influence. And so Greeks were very philosophical. You'll see that in Paul's writing. They had to understand. And so our culture is built on Greek philosophy, our political system. A lot of that stuff pulls over. And so I think that somehow that philosophy kind of worked its way over where we have to have an answer for everything mm-hmm. has made the Holy Spirit is something to be dissected instead of someone to be experienced. Hmm. And when we can't dissect him perfectly, then we have to put him into a box that allows us to determine the rules in which he functions in. And so sadly, I think either we become people that believe that, okay, yeah, the Holy Spirit is like this force that's there. Scripture is, scripture is clear about him, so we can't ignore and deny it. But his presence in the day-to-day life of a believer, that's where you have entire denominations that are split on it. And I think it's because there's aspects of it where it's, well, how come I don't see in my time the things that you hear in hmm, Scripture? Right. There's a lot of, like, proof positive things that we're looking for um, that can serve as a barrier. Um, and so I think those are the reasons why, that it becomes this mysterious thing because it's not as easy to put our fingers on. So I think that's where the, the tension and the challenge comes for so many people.
0: It's hard to approach someone or something that's unfamiliar, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's hard to approach someone or something that— you don't know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think for a lot of people, myself included, uh, approaching the Holy Spirit has almost been like, yeah, I can approach God, but mm-hmm. this is different. Yep. When in reality, if, if we look at the doctrine of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit being mm-hmm. God, right? Yep. Um, so I want to touch on that and then get to the doctrine of the Trinity here in a second because I think it'd be fun to talk about. But first of all, in, in your experience how have you approached the Holy spirit previously and maybe now are those different is it is it evolving for you mm. you know what i mean and and how has how have you seen the fruit of that in your life i guess
1: yeah um man i think my my upbringing which which i guess i would categorize is um Pentecostal holiness so Pentecostal um, as a denomination, as a belief system. All about the Spirit. It's all about the Spirit. <laughs> it is very. I mean, Pentecost, it's the day of the Holy Spirit coming yeah. on the church. You can see that in the book of Acts chapter 2. So we were we were not shy right. about the activity of the Holy Spirit at all. Um, so you have Pentecostal, then you have holiness, which kind of like takes it to another level in a sense of like holiness is more so in the way that I live my life, just dot every I, cross every T, very much this, mm-hmm. and then Pentecostal. Um, and so for me, the Holy Spirit was never like this, this complex nuance that I had to figure out, because I think my upbringing with me going to churches, you talk about not having a first time guest filter, like hmm. there was no one doing announcements, there was no one contextualizing your hmm. experience, you just walked into a church and you saw people um, praying in tongues, you just saw things and it's just like, okay, yeah, that's just what it is. Hmm. And you just moved forward with it. And, and but it also gave you kind of like this open mindset Hmm. in regards to how to engage it. So then you fast forward and then, um, but I also recognize that our faith doesn't require us to check our brains at the door. Like I'm not going to just have this feelings based experiential moment that doesn't translate into any doctrinal way. So, so as I began to grow and mature my faith and began to study scripture, not just, not just extracting the expressions and the emotions that I see in the Bible but try my best to get a little bit of an understanding of the theology behind those things, and those two things can coexist, I found that my my beliefs hasn't changed, but they've been reinforced by text. Mm. And, and so now where I've landed with all of it is I don't, in any way, my faith has not wavered in regards to the power and activity of God. I've seen too much. I've experienced too much. I've done too much. And just... Just walk through too much to, to deny what those experiences are. However, I also understand um, the biblical and theological nuances that go along with it. So for me, it's just like they go hand in hand. But I just think over the years, my, my theological construct has gotten a little bit more reinforced as opposed to having not just a reckless emotional faith, but it mm-hmm. was like you're more so, my faith is in pursuit of those things. Now I realize that it's the Holy Spirit that actually infuses all of everything. So I don't need to have the chills in order for me to believe it was a good service. Mm-hmm. Whereas back in the day, I probably felt like, man, it wasn't a good service unless somebody got laid out in the spirit. Those <laughs> days have changed. <laughs>
0: so it sounds like you got some great stories.
1: Oh, brother, do I?
0: <laughs> you want to share one? You got anything you want to share just for, for oh, fun? Oh, man. Or no?
1: Like you got to give me boundaries. So like, okay. wh- like you got to like ask a question, Hello? and I, th- I think I can go there. If not, this this whole conversation can go. I mean,
0: you mentioned <laughs> falling out in the spirit. Like, oh yeah, there's a lot of people out there that would watch something like that and go, okay, yeah, you know, they push the guy down or yep. they whisper in his ear, is here his ear? Hey, dude, I need you to fall. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> the, the sad reality is, man. Like, there are there are. Folks that do that like yeah. it's it's this desire to perform and feel like you need to recreate, and I think that's where it gets a little bit unhealthy, but in my personal experiences and and being in church services, and again, I think environments environments basically create permission, hmm. so you think about when we go into um museums or something like that. When I used to live in DC, we went, um, and, and visited the, the national uh, cathedral. So you go in, it's beautiful and it's very ornate. It's just breathtaking. Um, but as you're walking through, there's areas that are roped off and those areas are roped off for very clearly sending a message you guys are more than willing and we want to invite you to participate in everything you see just don't cross this line mm-hmm. don't cross over this line this might be where we got some stuff behind the scenes we don't want you to see maybe this might be the housing for the priest or whatever the case may be so right. you have these things that are roped off so the environment sets the tone for what you experience so I think what ends up happening in our churches is that you have some environments that take the ropes down and just say, Holy Spirit, have your way. And so people come in, and I think it gives God an invitation to move. And there's other areas where we got things roped off, and it's not an invitation for God to move. So the church I came up in, there were no ropes. <laughs> mm. there, were, there were no ropes whatsoever. And so we would have these long services, don't miss that at all. Um, we would have these very long <laughs> services, long worship. You just never knew when you going to get out. But what I'll tell you is um, there was like this tangible anticipation that everybody showed up with every week. And it's almost similar to what we talk about like during times of revival or when we go in through a period of fasting and prayer. And we're always talking about showing up to church with anticipation. Hmm. Well, for us, that was every week. Everybody uh-huh. showed up every week just ready, man. What's God going to do? What's going to happen in the service? What's he going to speak? Like, what's, is it going to be a prophetic moment? Like you just showed up with that anticipation and it always seemed to happen and so I I can't think of any extreme instances that probably would have make a lot of sense in this context but what I'll tell you is there will be many moments um I'll give you one Mm -hmm. um and this is more on the the weighty serious side but nonetheless it's still life-giving um you know when the 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 antithesis or the trigger for me to kind of come to an adult saving knowledge of Jesus is what I will call it. I was raised in a Christian context, but the thing that caused me to kind of reevaluate my adult life as I got older um, was when um, my cousin that I looked up to at the time had got killed in a car accident. Now, anyone that's been around us have heard me talk about family members passing away, and those are all catalysts of different things. So, you know, I had a cousin recently pass away from a car accident. This is not the same one. This is going back years and years ago. Well, what ended up happening in that service is— it's a service, and that church that I grew up in, mm-hmm. um, I wasn't there that day. But what ends up happening is the Holy Spirit's going, the pastor's preaching, there's so much anticipation. And, and as the pastor is preaching, he's literally mid-sermon, and he's like, man, I, I, I can't go in any further. This is a church about 60 people. Mm-hmm. He just stops mid-sermon, and he looks at my cousin, and he says to him, like, hey, man, like, the Holy Spirit won't let me move from this moment. And he looks at my cousin who had recently had gotten out of jail, had had some some legal issues. And he said to him, hey, the, the Holy Spirit's telling me that you've been running from him your entire life. And this is your last chance to get it right because you're going to be in his presence in one week. He says that in the service. My cousin gets up. The service stops. People are crying. Worship breaks out. He surrenders his life to Christ. All these things um, that happens on a Sunday. I think that Sunday night or that Monday he called my brother who was living in Atlanta at the time and says like, Hey man, I just gave my life to Christ. I need to, I need to redirect my life. I need to get out of this town because it's just not good for me. I'm going to come down and live with you in Atlanta, gets in the car a while driving to Atlanta, gets killed in a car accident. A week later, we're having his funeral in that service. Mm-hmm. So those are moments that just an example of how, how did the pastor know that? What was, what mm-hmm. did he feel that gave him the unction to do that? And quite candidly, If I were to feel that in one of our services, I probably wouldn't do that. Mm. But in that environment, there was this anticipation and expectation and permission for that to happen. So that's an example of just those wild Holy Spirit moments. So it may not be someone falling out. That does happen, and I've seen it. Um, I've been a catcher. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But that's an example of just like this expectation of the the gifts of the Spirit moving and just seeing it. And that became very regular for us.
0: Mm. So that— obviously takes a level of discernment by the guy who's receiving that from the spirit, right? To Mm -hmm. decide whether or not he is going to say something. Is it really Mm -hmm. the spirit? Is it just me? Am I trying to formulate something? And I know a lot of times for me, I can even get in my own head about that. And I'm sure there are other people out there who, who feel the same way, right? So how would you pass through someone, talk to someone? How would you help them along in learning how to discern that and learning when are the moments Mm -hmm. to actually speak up and say something. When are the moments that God just talking to you? And uh, I'm sure, you know, we could talk for, you know, several episodes on this, but, but I'm sure this question has been posed to you before, right? Absolutely. So how would you, how would you pastor someone through that?
1: I think step one is, does this bring glory to God? Hmm. I think that's something that gets lost in a lot of the, the things that we see when it comes to the Holy Spirit. It's just because it's, it's such a graceful invasion of our normal that it can sometimes turn into a spectacle. So, so when I look at whenever I feel an unction or something, one of the first things that I do when I'm checking off my list, come on, Nate, as I check and say, does this bring glory to God or is this going to bring attention to me? And, and I think a lot of times, if you could just run it through that test, that's a quick indicator of, is it unto him or is it unto me? And if it's unto me, if it's going to speak to, man, he is so spiritually deep. He is so in tune with the spirit. Like, if it's one of those things where you just, then I think that's an opportunity to kind of reevaluate where this is it's coming from. But if it's one of those things that's like, man, this is out of my comfort zone. I don't even want any attention from it, but I just feel like I need to say this. That's often a, a, a true indicator. I like, I like to look at how... Um, I like to look at Moses and and when God called him, and even though the context is different, but you have you have God manifesting Himself through this burning bush. He's having this conversation with Moses, and He's given Moses this profound responsibility. And and Moses initially is like, "Hey, man, you got the wrong guy. Like, I, I don't I don't want to do this." He's looking at his limitations. He's wrestling with it. I feel like every time God has spoken to me maybe not in the same dramatic nature as a burning bush or even with my, my pastor back then, but whenever I feel like God has put something deeply on my heart, it's always pushing me out of my comfort zone and there's an aspect of it like, man, I don't I don't really want to say this. I don't know if I really want to do this because I recognize that that it's uncomfortable and that it's a challenge, but nonetheless, I want to be obedient. I feel like, when it says work out your salvation with fear and trembling, when it talks about us being um, sensitive to the spirit, it's, it's making sure that I don't want to get this wrong. I don't want to lead anyone astray. And, and I want to make sure I represent God's well, God well. If none of that stuff is there, mm. then I think that that's an opportunity to reevaluate what's the motivation behind this. And then lastly, I'll say that more, more often than not, like, here's what we have to remember about those Holy Spirit moments. Um, you know, scripture has a lot of different descriptors of what his function is going to be. It's not like it's just one um, exclusive list. But when it comes to like the the gifts of the spirit and things like that, um, and a lot of times we can get freaked out by it. But at the end of the day, as Paul explains it, is that the gifts of the spirit are to build us up. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, will he sometimes confront us? That's what conviction is. Mm -hmm. Will he sometimes redirect us? Absolutely. But it's meant to build us up. I, I think if we are looking at doing something on behalf of God and we feel like the spirit of God is leading us to do it, What's it building Hmm. is it is it is it encouraging is it building people up or is it building my platform is it building my spirituality is it like what is it building so for me those are the things that i typically check what is this going to build what is Mm -hmm. this benefiting um and once i can kind of run through that then my confidence begins to go from that
0: yeah uh you mentioned that um earlier we were talking about kind of you know logic and the how those two we could kind of pit logic or, um, intuition or, uh, I can't think of the word right now, but we can kind of pit our minds against Mm -hmm. the spirit, right? Mm -hmm. When in reality, if they worked in tandem, it would be great. And even, you know, when you were preaching in in the first week, you were kind of encouraging, like, you don't need, you don't need your five-step plan to do this. You don't need Mm -hmm. logic to do that. Like you need the power of the spirit, Mm -hmm. obviously knowing you, you're a very logical person, yeah. you know what I mean. And so, <laughs> uh, so when I heard that, I was like, "Man, what's what's he really trying to say? What's he really trying to to communicate to the congregation and stuff?" And I think it's, I personally think that what you were meaning was um, t- to not try and depend on logic. Mm-hmm. Is is that what you, is that where you're going with yeah, that? And yeah. so, how do those two coexist in a in a healthy way? I guess. Yeah,
1: it's always a you know, it's always a tension of, you know. Um, It's it's the beauty of Scripture. So everything, context determines meaning. For sure. So, you know, there are moments where you'll see, like, hey, the Bible says this. And it's like, well, yeah, but what's the context of it? Right. Or the Bible says that. It's contradicting itself. Well, it's not contradiction. It's the context that gives meaning. So a lot of times when I'm thinking of the both sides of what I consider to be the same coin, the context is what I'm speaking from. So Mm -hmm. when I'm speaking about the Holy Spirit specifically— I'm speaking to our church, but more importantly, I'm speaking to a Western culture mm-hmm. that has gotten to a place where we can't move forward until we have everything figured out. We have to have everything locked in. And so it's really meant to be a jolt to the system of if God's nudging you to do it, you don't need to wait for you to have everything lined up in order to do it. Sometimes right. the best thing you can do is just be obedient and do it. But the other side of that exact same coin, my good friend John Reed would often say, he says, um, he says. he uh, faith and wisdom live on the same street. Like hmm. you, they, they, they absolutely live on it. So they're yes, neighbors. I'm, they're neighbors. Like you can have faith to step out, but please use wisdom. Like if you just read Proverbs, you'll see that it's, right. it's, they're in tandem. Right. And so it's, it's really just the context. So I'm always telling, like I'm raising my kids. Don't be reckless. Hmm. Don't like, don't step out and say it was God. And then you're asking him to keep you from falling. Like, let's make sure that we have adequate things in place. However, Once we know that God is leading us to do something, we're going to move forward aggressively. Right. So it's just making sure that those two things coexist. So really, the context of me saying, man, you don't need to have your five-step plan, that is not, not being a person of planning. It just simply means that sometimes those plans turn into extra plans and then another plan and then another plan and then another plan and then three years later we haven't taken a step forward Mm. it's more so yes count the cost Jesus encourages us hey anyone that puts his hand to the plow make sure you count the cost recognize what it's gonna require of you but when it's time to go let's go yeah that's the tension that I feel like we all wrestle with but that's what I challenge myself with is I'm absolutely profoundly logical but I'm also very, very faith-filled, and when God tells me to go, I'm going.
0: Yeah, I I used to really, really struggle with the, uh, it. the Bible says this in one place, and the Bible says that in <laughs> another place, and it just used to really bother me, but I kind of got freed up from that based off what you just mentioned with the context aspect, mm-hmm. aspect of it, right? And uh, I think for, if you're looking at, to poke holes in the Bible, you'll find them, yep. right? If I mean, if you're looking for anything, you'll yep. pretty much find it. Look hard it. enough,
1: you'll find anything. Yeah,
0: so it, it's all in your approach too of the scriptures, right? Like, am mm-hmm. I looking to be filled and to learn, or am I looking to try and prove something yep. wrong? So, yep. I think one of those, one of those aspects is the spirit and the um the difference between the holy spirit's activity in the old testament versus mm-hmm. how it's manifest he is manifested in the new i need to get yep. stop saying I, it because so I. it I is god it. Yeah. <laughs> um but how it's in the new testament right mm-hmm. so like you mentioned we see it on the first page of scripture you know mm-hmm. the spirit was hovering over the waters um but it seems to be more of a more prevalent or more prominent post New Testament, right? Or, mm-hmm. or Pentecost. So I guess how, how does the spirit, why isn't the spirit seem to be in the hearts of believers, if you will, or children of God in the old Testament, right? Cause I yeah. feel like it's now our theology would state that if you surrender your life to God, you become one mm-hmm. of his children, you're indwelled with the Holy spirit. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't necessarily see that. I see it on certain people, right? Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned a couple of different people, yep. but could you speak to that a, a little bit?
1: Yeah, uh, it's the um, it's the method of delivery from the Old Testament versus the New Testament. Mm. So when you when you look at the Old Testament and this is just profound simplification, I noticed some scholars may hear this and they'll do a video on how like her- how much of a heretic we are. <laughs> That's right. um, but 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 stick with me for a second so from genesis 1 all the way up really to genesis 11 you you have god interacting with with man so from adam you have sin that enters into the world and and god's redemptive plan kicks off immediately from then so he's he's working with man and it's the abrahams the isaacs the jacobs he's like Mm -hmm. he's working through it but in genesis 11 prior to like abraham being called out like god is just with mankind and 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 i don't know at what point Does God kind of like shift and like, hey, man, you know what? Instead of me trying to work with all of these jokers, Mm -hmm. let me just zero in and start working with one select group Mm -hmm. and then let them be kind of like the representation. And then from them, I'm going to select one person who will bring redemption to all of them again. Mm -hmm. So so that's the shift that we see. So in Genesis 11, like Tower of Babel, this is post flood. This is where God's like, okay. Um, I don't think anything's occurred to God. I think it's all, he's been aware of it. There's all part of his plan, but ultimately he's like, okay, Abraham's going to be the guy I'm going to use him and I'm going to use his bloodline, his family, and they're going to be the ones that I'm going to zero in on. So if you Google it or look into it, they often refer to that as the table of nations. That's when he, I'm taking Israel as my own, the rest of Mm y'all y'all are off on your own and Mm. then we'll get you on the back end (laughs) we'll catch you on the back end there's this guy named jesus gonna come he's gonna redeem all of us right so so what you'll find is that the spirit of god was on abraham and then he was on the nation of Mm. israel but it wasn't on individuals unless they were called to do a specific task. Mm-hmm. So that's when you relied on the Moses and you see specifically with Moses that the spirit of God was on him. The spirit of God was on the men who built the tabernacle. The spirit of God was on, um, on Aaron. You just see that God's spirit is with people on him, but not in them. Mm-hmm. So then when Jesus comes, because the reason that they're not, In them is because their hearts have not been radically renewed. In other words, sin is still an issue. Mm -hmm. Jesus comes, he tears down the veil of the temple. Now he makes salvation available to all of us. Now all of us have access um, to have unbroken fellowship with God because the sin issue has been dealt with. All we have to do is believe Jesus. Hmm. So now, as individuals, when we confess Christ and we begin to That's when the Holy Spirit comes and dwells on any of us. And now you begin to recognize the Holy Spirit's in you, the Holy Spirit's in me, the Holy Spirit's on our church. It ultimately magnifies and multiplies um, the access availability of the Holy Spirit. Whereas back then, it was very much a national calling because nobody was really worthy to carry him.
0: Hmm. Very, very well explained. And even at the beginning of the series, we were talking about... um, John, I forget, I forget the chapter, but you know Jesus saying, "If I don't go away, yep, yep. I can't send the mm-hmm. Helper." Right? And I've always wondered why Jesus and the Holy Spirit couldn't coexist yeah. on Earth at the same time, or you know,
1: because if you think
0: about it, the Holy Spirit did was there, right? Yep, yep. So, what does He actually mean by that?
1: Yeah, I, I've heard, I've heard someone say that, um. Because we, we recognize that God is one in three, three in one. Right. It's a concept that that it truly transcends our comprehension. Yeah. Um like it he's he's other. It's yeah. just it's beyond us. So we still have these these tangible things that at least try to help us wrap our minds around mm-hmm. the nature of God and so we've ultimately come down to this concept of the Trinity. I even think that our definition and our understanding of the Trinity is vastly inferior to Mm -hmm. the dynamics of who God really is. Mm -hmm. So again, that's just the best that we can do. Hey, Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's kind of our way of rationalizing ourselves around him. So uh, what I've heard someone say is that um, when you look at the writings of Paul and you look at all these other things and the different references to the Holy Spirit, there's so many different ways that he's referred to in the New Testament specifically. Let's say he's referred to as the Spirit of Truth. It's referred to as Christ in you. Like all these phrases that wait a minute, like, okay, Christ in you, Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. like, which one is it? It's all of it. So Mm -hmm. what I've heard it said is that um, the Holy Spirit is Jesus everywhere. Because up until that point, Jesus was still a singular individual that, yes, he had knowledge and wisdom, but it was still very much a limited scope. Mm -hmm. But the moment that Jesus is like, hey, but listen, I'm going to ascend up into heaven, and then the Holy Spirit's going to come, and that's going to bring revelation. That's going to draw people closer to the Father. Fo- like, what it's going to do is it's not going to limit it to just being all upon me to keep going from one location to another location to be exposed. The Holy Spirit's going to do that stuff mm. um, for us. That's going to allow this gospel message to go further, faster than everyone needing to come and see Jesus. Because imagine if Jesus was still walking the planet. Mm. Yes, absolutely, the Holy Spirit's there but everybody's going to be making pilgrimages to try to find Jesus no like it becomes i need to go find the guy if mm-hmm. i'm not in the room with that guy then it doesn't count so jesus did that for our benefit the fact that i'm not there no one's going to be chasing after me anymore and it's going to be more so about the community the holy spirit's going to come down draw you guys together it's still pointing to me but you don't need me to be in the room in that physical sense anymore that's that's the biggest blessing because even if you think about when moses died no one knew where he was buried mm because god knew they would get so hung up on trying to make an altar of his tomb that they would not be able to move forward so at least literally when moses dies no one knows where he's buried because he knew that that would hang people up i think the same could be said of jesus if jesus were to stay here they wouldn't be able to move on from his physical form and wouldn't allow the gospel to spread further
0: it's such a beautiful another beautiful example of for whatever reason god uh Loves to involve us, you yep. know, and he's he's so gracious enough to let us be able to to carry his message and and the good news, and um, it's a really humbling thought when you think yes. about it.
1: It really is. It's humbling, and um, you know, scripture says like, "Who are man that you're mindful right. of him?" Um, there's there's not a single time that I I don't preach specifically when it's like on the back end or I do something. And honestly, it's not about me, but if someone comes like, oh, you know, something the church has done, you guys did this and it changed everything for me, or this message did this for me, or, and you just think of like, you know, we're, we're here every week, Nate, and we're, um, we're praying about what we're doing. We're praying over congregants. We're, um, we're planning out the calendar. We're doing these things called by God, empowered by his spirit, but nonetheless, we're just doing what we feel like God's calling us to do. And so when you have planned out a series or we planned out an event or an activity and then on the back end, you hear somebody come up and say, this changed my life. You're like, I can't believe that God allowed me mm. to play a part right. in delivering something that could radically change someone's life. So it's very humbling to consider that, which is also very scary because it's yes. like, man, I almost said no to this event. Yes. Almost said no to <laughs> it To it, or, you know,
0: I said something inappropriate or whatever. You know what I mean? Because like, literally, like, someone could come up to you and say... You know, I never really thought of it that way yep. or the way that you said this or the the way that you prayed about that. I had someone say that last week, you know, the way that you prayed. I'd never mm-hmm. I had never been uh, accustomed or, mm-hmm. you know, privy to being able to pray that way. So, you know, even even those moments, you're like, OK, well, clearly that's God. So yep. the, the more I get out of the way, kind of like we pray, you know, the more that he increases, the more we decrease. But mm-hmm. y- you did. You did mention, you know, just briefly there, the, the empowerment of the Spirit, and that was something that uh, was kind of the theme for you uh, in the first week of this series. How does empowerment look like for Keith Pittman? Like what does is, what is the empowerment of the Spirit look like for you in your life? And, you know, you said there are moments when we can— how do I have joy in moments that I shouldn't have joy? And I guess Mm -hmm. someone in the world could say, well, you know, I'm a positive person. Like I go through trials and stuff and I still put a smile on. Mm -hmm. So I guess part one of the question is what does it look like for you? And part two is the question is what's the difference in necessarily empowerment or just like a positive thinking mindset. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think, um, that's a great question. Uh, for me on a day to day basis, it's, um, it's its purpose, mm. because I think it's so easy. Specifically, because I'm, because I'm I'm logical. For for if something doesn't make sense, then then why are we doing it? Mm. If something, if what are we what are we doing? Mm-hmm. So, and in, in empowerment ultimately is is like it gives you a deeper purpose. So once I understand that there's a deeper purpose, then I'm no longer looking for the convenient um, option. I feel empowered to walk the long road if that's what is required of wow, me. So yeah. empowerment is more so um, giving me the strength to take the long road, mm-hmm. giving me the giving me the endurance to do something that's more difficult as opposed to, nay, I'll just go this way. That's shorter. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean by empowerment. It's really just I'm not looking for the short way out. I'm I'm willing to take the long road because I feel empowered. I have purpose and I feel the strength to do it. And we're going to power through this thing regardless. It's a right there, man. Um, so that's that's the difference for me and just every area of my life no matter what it is that's kind of like how it is so that's so yes we're all you know people are half glass glass half full half empty people we all are wired in different ways in different situations and scenarios um but more often than not my my default setting is um you know there's this old school song that we would sing where it's like you know um i don't believe that he's brought me this far to leave me Hmm. so when i begin to look back at my life and i see the, the varying moments ranging from when I was um, away from God and people I was around and people that are now gone or in jail and circles I was in and, and, and God's brought me out of them. And I look at my journey up to this point, I'm like, man, I feel like God's hand was on my life then. So why would he not be with me now? Mm-hmm. And so it changes the way that I look at everything when it comes to um, my perspective on things, because I have too much historical understanding of god's providence for me not to see jesus even in the most awful situations Mm. now that doesn't mean that if i hear about the death of a loved one i'm like man but it's all to god's glory absolutely not that's not right i'm not disillusioned in that at all i mean anyone who's connected to our church know that we're still going through um the grief of of a loss of a dear dear friend of our family caleb's best friend and it's awful it's awful man we just had the celebration of life and we're trying our best to to power through it man but it is it is hard so as i was sharing with caleb i said man like you know it's not a matter of that god caused this it's a matter that god is with us and he's going to lead us through it and so my confidence in me v- seeing god even in the most difficult situations is not the situation exists so there's a lack of god it's more so the situation exists because of sin but god is with us and we're going to get through it mm. so it's not positive, it's endurance. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel empowerment is.
0: Yeah. Um, you you also mentioned how uh environments can can kind of invoke certain aspects of the spirit or, or give permission to that. And it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, Vinny and I were talking uh I guess it was a couple of days, even maybe even yesterday about that because I was brought up in an environment where we didn't really talk about it, you know, mm-hmm. like we, we sang songs that refer to the Holy ghost. Right. Um, but, uh, but again, that's kind of a, that's a, that's a scary, that's almost an intimidating way to refer. Mm -hmm. And and I get that it's old English language and stuff and there was no real intent to make it that way. But, you know, fast forward a few hundred years and it's like, what the Holy ghost, um, for for celebration orlando and you even said you know if this were to happen um you know i may not i may not do that i may not say that in Mm -hmm. that moment because perhaps it's not um our environment isn't set to receive it that way Mm -hmm. do you have a dream or a vision or do you have a a hope that that one day it could be an environment that way do you think that uh, and, you know, and again, specifically, sorry for those of you who, who are, aren't a part of it, but I'm just really curious myself to know, like, what are the steps to get there, I guess, yeah. you know, and, and how do you how do you encourage the congregation to even want to to be a part of something like that? Does that make sense what I'm yeah. asking?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think one is um letting us know of of what. Are the benefits mm. of having the Holy Spirit really being free mm-hmm. in our lives, but also in our church? Mm-hmm. And and I think what ends up happening is um, either you have a preconceived notion of the Holy Spirit, and that might be from uh, some memes that people have sent you of <laughs> some like ridiculous things <laughs> that again they may be out of context or they just might be theatrics who knows <laughs> yeah. um, but you see those things you're like yo that looks ridiculous yeah. um and so we kind of have that baggage with us and and even I have accumulated some of that over the years mm-hmm. what i think when i look when i look at our church what i've seen in a lot of times there's there's a lot of churches that um they have they have they have their audience i truly believe that every church has a every is a strong word but churches have a kingdom assignment mm-hmm. they have a they have a grace that's on that house to accomplish something that God wants to do mm-hmm. um, so my, my previous church was a church of um, prayer and deliverance that was the name of the church the church was prayer and deliverance so that was the culture of that church it was a church that's gonna teach you how to pray and it was gonna be a church that brought about deliverance and mm-hmm. that meant the Holy Spirit's gonna run rampant in that place um, now, I do believe that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Mm-hmm. I think that there is true freedom that's available to the followers of Christ. Um, but I also believe that there are some churches that 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 have to manage the tension of, but God is also sending people there that have never walked into the doors of a church, people who are coming on the back end of church hurt, all these other variables. And so for me, I want to still be the church that, that reaches those people, um, that puts the That puts the kingdom into context but also has the opportunity for the spirit to be expressed and so for me it's it's a couple of things I want our Sunday experiences to be vibrant I want our Sunday experiences to be spirit-filled but I also want it to be one where no matter where you're coming from that you can engage God where you are Mm -hmm. and so um, yes do I want us to lift our hands and worship yes do I want us to sing yes I want all of that to be a part of the regular Sunday setting because I think it brings about freedom. But I do believe that there are other environments hmm. where we can get into some of the other things that I still believe are very, very real. So do we do altar calls on Sunday? Yes. Do we believe in laying on hands and, and praying for people? Absolutely. But I also believe there are other environments when we're talking about people who may be a little bit more mature in our faith that that. That those environments may be a little bit more fitting for them because they're coming to pursue they have an understanding of those things um, and they and they get after it now for those people that may be a little bit contrary to what i'm saying we have to consider our western context Mm -hmm. in the east as i said earlier in the east the spirit realm was not a foreign idea to them so even though the outpouring of the holy spirit happened with people who um who we would say hey they weren't trained up on the ways of belief They weren't trained up in our way of thinking, but they absolutely believed in a spirit realm. So it wasn't beyond the realm of their mindset to recognize that, Okay, all this time I've been worshiping all these other gods in this spirit realm. I just need to worship the one God. So for them, it was an easier shift to open their minds up to receiving these outpourings of the Holy Spirit that didn't require a lot of context. Our context is different. So because we have that context, I think that people need to be taught informed. Mm. So that way it doesn't become an endeavor of emotionalism that it becomes something that people can be trained up in but absolutely can have access to. So for me it's it's both and but I think different environments have different um, different experiences. Mm.
0: To kind of wrap up here, someone that you know, they would they would claim to be a Christian, right? They would say that that they're, that they're a Christian, that they follow Jesus, but they just don't know if they are accessing everything that the Holy Spirit has to offer them in their lives. Mm -hmm. How would you encourage them to to pursue that?
1: I think it it comes down to um, inventory and saying, what areas do I feel restricted in? Mm -hmm. It's back to the analogy at the um, national cathedral. Like, what are the areas that are roped off? What are the areas that I feel like I'm not thriving in? It all it all comes down to um, that God wants us to prosper even as our souls prosper. And I know that these are just, this is just Christian lingo. And if you don't have context on what that means, I know it can get lost. But but I truly believe that what it requires of us is, one, we have to put ourselves in environments where where God's vision for our lives is in front of us. Mm. I think that, sadly, we can disconnect from the people of God. We can disconnect from the community of God. Um, and now we're trying to figure out the presence of God all by ourselves. Hmm. That's, that's the dangerous place. This is why when, when, when Jesus is about to go to the cross, he talks to Peter. He says, man, listen, you've been with me. You've seen a lot of things. Let me tell you what the enemy strategy is to sift you like wheat, to separate you from the community. That's his strategy because if he can separate you from community, then you can get off into your own space create your own doctrine theology and the difference between peter and judas is that peter came back to community judas didn't Mm -hmm. judas jumps he kills himself peter comes back and gets restored the enemy was trying to sift both of them the difference is one came to community one didn't Mm -hmm. so i think that when we begin to talk about man am i accessing everything that god has for me one i think it's a lifelong journey that i don't think that we can ever kind of put a period to the end of that sentence but I think it's discerned through community. So when you have those moments of being in a space where you're experiencing the presence of God through worship, you're in community, whether it's in groups or messages, all of this stuff is Holy Spirit's using all of it. And he's giving you a glimpse of a life that maybe you can begin to recognize, I'm not experiencing that right now. Mm. Now, what do I need to do to put myself in a position to take the ropes down so that God can have access to that? And the more that we do that, then that's how sanctification works. Then I'm going to Holy Spirit's in that area of my life. Man, I'm still struggling with unforgiveness with my parents. Holy Spirit comes in that area of my life. Man, I'm still struggling with me and being freed up financially. Holy Spirit gets into that part of my life. The more that we're in community, the more it reveals where we're lacking, but also where we're thriving. And I can share what I'm thriving in to help somebody else who's lacking in that area. But then on the other side, I can also be encouraged on where I'm lacking at so I can thrive. That's what community does. Mm -hmm. Iron sharpening iron, baby.
0: It's my life, God's way, (laughs) but it's
1: our story. But it's our story. Come on, brother.
0: (laughs) (laughs) great way to kick off the new season yes looking forward to a couple more conversations and uh really appreciate you spending some time with us shout out to all the youtube fam out there and uh, if you're on the podcast exclusively listening hop over to our youtube channel celebration orlando and and have a look and let us know what you think and uh we'll be back uh next week for another episode of after the message but make sure you guys stay uh tuned and locked into our paracleto series and uh looking forward to Everything that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our church. Amen?
1: Amen. Let's get it. All right. All right, my brother.
0: Thank you for joining us for After the Message. To learn more about Celebration Church here in Orlando, you can follow us on social media under the handle at CelebrationORL or visit our website at CelebrationORL.org.